officially recording at Cafe Istanbul. Welcome to Two Idiots in NOLA, uh, New Orleans. New Orleans, I'm sorry, I gotta say it right. <laughs> gotta get it right. We are at Cafe Istanbul on 2372 St. Claude Avenue, world famous, hosting some wonderful shows coming up for Jazz Fest, uh, Actual Tilt, Gatoraders, Joan Osborne, as well as Bernard Purdy coming through, my favorite drummer. And we are here with Stacy Spectacular, who we met, uh, I met her for the first time down in Florida for Love Burn. Uh, I am your host, Sebastian Hove. This is my co-host, Alexander Bigby. And today we are gonna be delving in a little bit deeper into relationships, specifically polyamorous relationships. And Stacy is someone who is actually in a polyamorous marriage, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I am. And how long have you been in this marriage? Uh, well, I have been polyamorous for about four and a half or five years, okay. um, and my partner and I have been married for about a year and a half. I see, I see. Okay, so here's the first question. When did you realize that you were poly? Was it something you yourself discovered, or was it something you were brought into by a partner or someone else or an outside influence? So it was a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, so at the time, I had been dating my girlfriend for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved, so we lived in New Jersey, yeah. um, and I moved to New York City. Mm -hmm. uh, and around that time, I had been starting to perform, and I had been going back and forth to the city a lot, and I had started getting involved in the Burning Man community. Yeah. Um, and polyamory is like, you know, a great big buzzword oh, and sure. <laughs> hot yep. topic yep. Yep. in the Burning Man community. Mm -hmm. And um, I met someone who was polyamorous. He okay. had a primary partner for about four years. Yeah. And he started talking to me about it. And I was like, hey, this is really cool. I just like moved a great distance away from my partner and I really like to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this seems like a great way to, you know, have both. Yeah. Um, and I talked to her about it, and she was open to the idea, okay. and so... Were you mm. aware of the definition of polyamorous at the time, or was it something that you were just kind of like hearing, hearing around in the community and kind of wanted to understand more about? So, people have many definitions, right? Mm. Um, and I think the sort of def definition that I've come to understand over a long time mm -hmm. is polyamory is not multi-fucking it's multi it's multi-loving right yep, I so see. um i was aware the person that brought me in um shout out to jeremy friedman in brooklyn shout out. um uh, the person that brought me in was super honest super aware super loving um really did his best to help me understand mm -hmm. um and also you know made me read uh, polyamory 101 right which is a uh, the ethical slut it's an actual yeah. book yeah but huh. it's not it's the it's called the ethical slut uh, right. but it's basically yeah. like anyone if you talk to anyone about polyamory okay. yeah they will basically be like well have you read the ethical slut well this brings me <laughs> to the next question then most people will think it's just cheating by another name how exactly would you counter that argument well, it is cheating by another yeah. name if everybody is not aware mm -hmm. and consensually agreeing. Yeah. So if everybody mm -hmm. says yes, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. it's just like sex, right? Mm -hmm. But if someone says no and you do it anyway, yeah. it's cheating. I hear you. And do most polyamorous relationships kind of have a written set of ground rules before it's kind of it is officially polyamorous or does do they kind of evolve out yeah. of you know step by step or yeah or like, just you make mistakes and then figure it out as you go along 
Also a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, so we call that negotiation, okay. right? Just like in business, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you talk about, hey, I would feel really good for me if you never slept over someone's house, yeah. right? Like anytime you go out with someone, it would feel really good if you came home to me, yeah. right? Or maybe if you don't live together, if you went home to your own bed. Mm -hmm. um, or, hey, I would really appreciate if you didn't, I don't know, uh, do certain sexual acts with someone. Like, I would like if you only had anal sex with me, mm -hmm. right? Mm. Um, and usually, uh, I mean, some people just wing it, yeah. um, but after a certain time, you start to learn what works, what doesn't work, and then, Usually there is a set of agreements. Those agreements do often change, yeah. um, especially as you know relationships evolve, other people get involved, those relationships evolve. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's sort of always a work in progress. It's a continual renegotiating, okay. coming to understanding okay. of each other. And do, do you ever reach an equilibrium where it's like you feel like it's you know every all the bases have been covered and there's right. nothing that could possibly happen that would like disturb the peace or is it? Yeah, does it still happen occasionally? I think in longer term relationships mm -hmm. that might happen. Um, and I think that that particular situation either happens in one of two situations, right? So it either happens in what's called solo poly, okay. right? So if you are one person that doesn't have a like hierarchical structure of partners, right? Yeah. So like you are like your own primary partner, mm -hmm. right? You have your sort of like Sort of like flying single, but having multiple less committed. Can you relationships. define? Because I mean, there's probably people who listen to this who have no idea what like a primary and the yeah, secondary totally. and all that is. So it'd be useful to kind of understand, even from my you know, point yeah. of view. I yeah. still need to learn. So um, there are two types of people, uh, two types of um, structures, if you will, that mm -hmm. people ascribe to being yeah. polyamorous. One is called hierarch hierarchical okay. polyamory, mm -hmm. so having a hierarchy, right? And uh, the other one is non-hierarchical yeah. polyamory, so without a hierarchy. So within a hierarchical polyamorous relationship, there would be you, right, mm -hmm. whoever you are, and then your primary partner. That is the person that you either maybe spend the most time with, but specifically are most committed to, whatever that means for you. That can mean that you maybe share a household, share finances, maybe you have kids together, whatever. Then there's a secondary partner, so mm -hmm. the person you are secondarily most committed to, either emotionally, sexually, maybe you share finances as well, maybe you don't. Yeah. And then there can be tertiary partners, so a third person, right, that yeah. you are but less and for that yeah. secondary partner, can they be? <clears throat> can you be their primary partner as well? Or are they? You know, you have to be a secondary with a secondary, or would a secondary? No, there can be, can be totally. You know, any pick your pick your mix. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a salad buffet for all. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Yeah, but you can you can it's absolutely be. Yeah. It is complicated, complicated, but it's yeah. um, it's yeah. only complicated if you are at any point dishonest with yourself. Or the people you're involved yeah. with, of right? Yeah. So it is a question of honesty and yeah. just being open. Exactly. Yeah. As an aside, so Sebastian is more, you know, probably the most against uh, polyamorous mm -hmm. relationships. In the yeah. Two of I us. mean, I'm not like I don't want to say I'm against it. Like I viewed it yeah. a negative point. I just would personally yeah, not a, never. I've grown want to up for thirty years under the you know wolf and swan theory of sticking with one primary partner for the rest of yeah. your life. Yeah. It's how my parents did it, it's how my grandparents did it, and it's all I've really known. So I don't know if I could be swayed into going into poly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, let me ask you a question. 
have you or known anyone who has had a catastrophic failure due to a poly relationship? As in, did someone in a poly relationship fall for another partner and leave maybe you or the other person? And what was the outcome? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Oh, yes. Um, it doesn't happen... The, the catastrophe doesn't yeah. happen often. The, like, switching of partners of, like, hey, I'm, like, you know, developing this really intense thing with this person. Maybe yeah. we can switch from being primary to secondary, you yeah. know, adjusting your level of expectations and commitments. That happens all the time. Mm -hmm. There can be hurt feelings. But usually it works out pretty well because, yeah. again, you're not, like... I'm leaving you for yeah. the neighbor, you know, you're, the postman, you're probably already aware of this person and of this partner. You've probably had yeah. sex with them yeah. or gone out on, you know, three-way dates with them. So they're probably a familiar person and you're probably already aware yeah. of the fact that this connection is increasing or changing in some way or mm -hmm. that, you know, your own life needs more attention in some areas and maybe you need to step yeah. away mm -hmm. but um there have been catastrophic situations um like to protect people's identity i of don't course. want to use names yeah. um, <laughs> yes Save but there were a couple yeah. situations that i know of one that was really bad of someone who was in you know a very committed longer term relationship they were living together sharing mm -hmm. finances i assume um and one person essentially left the other for what was then their secondary partner yeah. um, and moved into the like second bedroom of their house with okay. that other person. Oh, it was really bad. Yeah. The whole community was sort of <laughs> aghast. Um, it was, it was, that is not doing Sounds it right. Like a, <laughs> definitely disaster. not doing it right. Good Lord. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's bad. That sounds like a tricky situation. So, yeah. so you can have, you know, partners or secondaries who would be friends with a primary as well so yeah, yeah and I mean to give works. a great example I'm actually living in a house right now um, so my partner and I are living in a house right now with a, another polyamorous couple um, and they're actually what's called a quad right so there's four of them mm -hmm. um, and one of the partners couldn't move into this house right away so my partner and I are taking their room right so there's a, a quad of people, two of them are married, and two of them are one is one person secondary, and the other is uh, the other person secondary, okay. and they're all living together, right? Oh so, um, you know, there's a it's a lot of a lot of room for for catastrophe there. Yeah, but sometimes so you know, just, yeah. good communication think, solves a lot of problems. I think communication is is kind of key from all the research I've done on it and what everything you know I've heard and people I've spoken to. I mean, it, it's a hundred percent you know effective communication seems to be. The way you know the way that this can work, and actually, I think it does make you a better communicator. Yeah. In the process. Yeah, of course you do. Dumbs down the jealousy a little bit. Is this how you keep it contained? Like, how do you personally control jealousy if it happens, if it arises? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have been jealous in the past. Yeah. Um, mostly not due to any polyamorous relationships. Mostly due to like sort of extenuating circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but there is actually a great chapter in The Ethical Slut um, mm -hmm. that talks about jealousy. And I think that's where my foundational understanding mm -hmm. comes from. And that jealousy is an emotion, right? Yeah. We all have emotions, but jealousy is a tool. So you can either use jealousy as like a, I'm feeling this way, wah, 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 <laughs> right? Which is the emotional <laughs> approach, yeah. right? Yeah. 
Or you can use it as a tool and say, I feel really jealous mm-hmm. right now, right? Yeah. So, like, let's say my partner, Dylan, yeah. goes to the movies with, I'm going to make up a person. He's not dating anyone named Sarah, but yeah. we'll use the name Sarah, We'll right? use the name Sarah. Right? So, yes. let's say Sarah. Dylan and Sarah go to the movies, yeah. right? And I come home, and I am, like, so jealous. Mm-hmm. Like, I probably don't give two shits that they went to the movies yeah. together, yeah. right? Like, nothing about going to the movie is anything that would make anyone jealous, Totally innocent, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's totally an innocent thing. Um, I mean, even if, they, even if they went to the movies and then went home and had sex, I, I wouldn't, you know, yeah. I, I can be jealous of that, right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm jealous of is not that they went to the movies, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm jealous of, or what's triggering my jealousy, is that I feel like Sarah is getting something that I'm not getting. Yeah. So when I feel jealous, it's my job to go inside myself and mm-hmm. identify, well, is it because I feel like, you know, maybe Sarah is an actor, right? Maybe she's really interested in movies, right? So maybe I feel like Dylan doesn't take interest in my interests. Mm -hmm. Or is it that I feel like maybe we're not getting enough alone time? Do I feel like maybe they're spending a lot of, you know, non-sexual time together? Mm -hmm. Maybe I feel like we're not spending enough non-sexual time together. I see. So it's kind of like someone filling maybe the interests that you don't possess. Mm. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And and that way, you think it can actually strengthen your relationship with that person because it does yeah, yeah. anytime I've been really jealous yeah. and I've actually like sat down and done the work with myself or with my partner and been like hey this doesn't really feel good to me yeah I've always wound up coming out of it and being like oh wow this is so beautiful because not only do I get to love you and yeah. watch you love and be loved by someone else I can actually come to you and be like, hey, I need this thing. Can you do this for me and figure out a way for it to work? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, these days, I think over 50% of marriages fail and three quarters of relationships have some kind of infidelity in them. So there's clearly something that's not working. Yeah. No, it's true. And there's a disconnect there somewhere. And I, I, you know, everything that I've read about it makes me feel that, you know, my next relationship, you know, would be a poly one. And I've not been in one before. But, you know, I think a lot of the mistakes that I made in my last relationships would have probably been remedied if I had entered into, you know, a polyamorous relationship. But Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of what's going on, um, which makes poly a great alternative, um, is that when people get into monogamous relationships, the expectation is that this other person right your person your yeah. significant other yeah. is going to fulfill every need and wish that oh you ever had and no. that is just like it's just so unrealistic no, extremely I mean, I mean even if you rare. have friends right yeah. even if you have a great support network outside of your relationship i mean you're not always going to want the same thing. Well, no, you know? yeah. you're and responsible for your own happiness. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's something you have to take care of. I think the other person can definitely, you know, enhance it and make it better. But in, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you should not lean on this other person to yeah. fulfill what makes you happy. Yeah, I mean, you know monog- I mean? monogamy can work for yeah. some people, but it, it oh, seems yeah. to be very rare that I've seen a monogamous relationship actually work, you know, when both, you know, you're married and you die happy together. Uh, Just very yeah. rare. Well, I've seen that in my case. parents, they're still together. That's true, but that is so the exception. Yeah, Yeah. that is one of the rare cases. I mean, I I do believe that monogamy can work. Uh, What I believe can work about it is conscious monogamy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, most people enter into 
monogamous relationships because like that is just the default right yeah. that's what we're told yeah and i think if you and whoever your partner is are like yeah we want to be each other's everything mm -hmm. not necessarily with like the expectation yeah, that yeah. you're actually going to be everything exactly yeah but like yeah i want to be the only one that you cuddle and i want to be the only one that you come to yeah. late at night with your problems that can totally work yeah. i just think that you know, entering into it with the mindset of like, we're going to make it work this way because mm -hmm. this is what we want. Yeah. It's the same thing as entering into a polyamorous relationship, right? Like mm. choosing the style of relationship you want is the important part. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you choose, right? And that, I, like, I do think that monogamy can work. I just think that when you enter into it as a default without really thinking about it, without really discussing it, yeah. I think that's where you get into mm -hmm. hairy situations. That's where the infidelity comes in because yeah. like, maybe you think that infidelity is just cuddling or holding hands with a friend. Yeah. Mm. And maybe the other person thinks that infidelity is you know, somewhere after kissing, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah. the lines get very blurry, yeah. especially yeah. when you don't talk about it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I, no, for sure. I, I know quite a few monogamous couples who are interested in kind of exploring a polyamorous side. Uh, what kind of advice would you give for individuals in those situations uh, into sort of how they would, yeah. how have they broach that topic to their partner? Because yeah. they're, they're quite, they're often very nervous about it because then the other person's obviously going to think, oh, you know, he doesn't fancy me anymore and he wants to shag around. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think to any couples that are looking to going to, to open up, um, I think that if you're first broaching, there's you know two sets of advice I think I would give. I think that if you're first broaching the topic, right, yeah. I think the best thing to do would probably to get, get some literature, read about it, and read about it separately. Yeah. Like, be like, hey, I talk to someone or I'm interested in this thing. Do you think we could just read this book and then talk about it? Because mm. when you come to the table with the same understanding, it makes the conversation a lot easier. You know, yeah. like if you're if you're the person that's really interested in opening up and you've, you know, sat up late at night googling all this shit, yeah. you know, you all of a sudden know so much more mm -hmm. than your partner does who maybe hasn't been thinking about it. Exactly. And that mm -hmm. makes it super intimidating. It's like, "Whoa, you've like gone ahead without me and yeah. done all the like what now i feel cheated on with just by you with <laughs> your computer you know like um <laughs> so that would be my advice is to you know and to broach the topic of like hey this is just a thing that interests me this is something that i heard about yeah. maybe we don't have to do this but i would really like if we both read the ethical slut or mm -hmm. sex at dawn mm -hmm. or you know any of the many different resources that there are yeah. go on reddit you know yeah. go into the polyamorous forums of course and then i guess my other set of advice is if you are a couple who has been monogamous and is looking to open up and you've agreed that this is something you're going to do mm -hmm. um go find your local polyamorous community yeah. there is you know a number of resources um, poly cocktails is great. Um, this is something, yeah, mm -hmm. it's great. Yeah. I mean, getting <laughs> drinks and talking about yeah. sex, meeting other polyamorous couples is yeah. great. Um, that is happens that specific to here. That happens in New York. And I think they do have a couple of events, okay. other yeah. places. Um, but just, you know, go on Facebook or, um, I wouldn't really recommend FetLife, but if that's your only resource, <laughs> it, might, it might lead you somewhere nice. Um, but yeah, just just find other people in your community that are doing it, yeah. and just start talking to them. Mm -hmm. Ask them about their failures. You know, 
ask them about what works for them, what doesn't work for them. Um, just ask all the questions, even mm, if they're okay. really uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. Get it out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, next question. Do you ever feel awkward meeting your partner's partner? Like, how does that work? Like, uh, are you cool with it? Or is it uncomfortable? Or is, how do you guys get along usually? Yeah. Um, so for me and Dylan's relationship, um, our sort of like agreement, right? Mm -hmm. our, our rule, our yeah. agreement is that, um, first of all, if you were going to, you know, date or have a one night stand or kiss or whatever, anyone, yeah. you need to tell them that they're, that you're married yeah. first. Mm, um, and that's not even necessarily like for me and for us. It's mm. like, because I don't want to involve someone yeah. in a situation where three dates in, you're like, Oh, by the way, right. I'm married. You yeah. know, like it doesn't, that doesn't feel good for anyone. No, no, it's um, always a lovely thing to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll going into it, you know, this other person obviously knows that I'm in the picture, yeah. right? Dylan would obviously, or I obviously would talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I love meeting my partner's partner. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love seeing and knowing people who, you know, make my partner happy. Like, for example, we have um, sort of a, I'll call him a floating partner. Yeah. Um, Dylan and I actually both have sex with him. Yeah. Um, and we both go on like sort of occasional dates with him. Mm -hmm. um, but like I fucked him first, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is great. I'm like more than half yeah. to share. Yeah. You know, he's well, I mean, a, he's a great fun. shared qualities in those <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, you know, you, you, if you're married, then obviously there's going to be yeah. some shared qualities that both of you are going to like. So Absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. You know, so I, I love in. meeting my partner's partner. Um, right when Dylan and I started dating, actually, he had sort of been lightly seeing someone who didn't live in the same city. Yeah. Um, and she came down for like a week right after sort of he and I sort of became official, mm -hmm. and you know he told her, and she was like, "Hey, that's cool." Like. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, let's try it. Like, why yeah. not? Yeah. Um, and we met and she was, she was lovely. Um, we all did, you know, Dylan and I met doing acro yoga and she does acro too, which is how they met. So we all like went and did acro together and it was great. And mm -hmm. we had a great time. Yeah. That's that fantastic. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I guess what, no, we'll skip this one. This one is what happens if two partners, actually, no, we'll go into it. What happens if two partners need you at the same time? For whatever reason, right? What do you do? Primary comes first. Secondary, you have to put off to the side, or right. can you say, "I'll tend to you, and then I'll tend to him," whatever. I think it's all contextual, right? Yeah. It all depends on mm -hmm. circumstances, of course, right? Absolutely. Like, um, you know, and it's also an agreement thing, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of people have agreements about. You know, you can love as many people as you want, but there's only 24 hours in a day, yeah. mm -hmm. and you got to take care of yourself. You got to take, you got to go to work. You yeah. got to take care of your finances. Yeah. You got to see your partners, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, if my secondary partner calls me and is like, "Oh my God, my dog just died," yeah. and Dylan's like, "I want to go to the movies," I'm like, "I'm gonna go yeah. take yeah. care of someone <laughs> of who's course. having yeah. a sort of catastrophic <laughs> situation," you know. But. Um, there are a lot of agree a lot of couples who have agreements about like hey this is like quote unquote my day of the week right yeah. to prevent that from happening yeah. um but if two people need you at the same time i think and they're both like sort of non-negotiable where everyone's sort of like in a rough spot yeah. i mean i think my solution would be like 
can we all go out to the bar together oh, and talk yeah. about it? Yeah. Like, yeah. can Sounds we all like just go get a drink and hang out? Yeah. Like, yeah. God forbid <laughs> that both dogs die. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> we could all kind of, you know, mourn together. It would be a, a very positive experience. Yeah. No, yeah. that's actually a really good workaround. Yeah. No, yeah. for sure. It's a just, great way to bond. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And it, yeah. Creates a, it creates a network of trust, yeah. too. And, you know, hopefully your two partners... Mm-hmm. Um, like love and trust each other enough that at a certain point, you know, they become friends. We call that uh, metamors or paramours, yeah. right? So they're not loving each other, but they're both loving you, which yeah. makes them paramours. Yeah. They're, they're friends or they should be hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they can reach out to each other if, mm. if you're busy, right? If I'm yeah. at work and they need support, why not reach out to yeah. my partner who loves you and cares about you as well and cares mm-hmm. about my happiness and mm-hmm. your happiness yeah. and both of our well-being like yeah. it creates a what's called a what i like to call a polycule right yeah. it's a molecule but it's poly yeah. right there's all these different uh, connections yeah. right yeah. Yeah. Really? Um, so it creates a very large uh, loving caring support network that okay. you can reach mm-hmm. out to yeah. if you ever need anything i think that that's the thing I, i'm really you know drawn to by it, is you basically create so much more trust between you know yourself and your partner because you can be honest about your feelings towards other people and say you know I do fancy that girl a little bit and I would mm-hmm. like to try out something out with her whereas you know if you're if you're in a you know monogamous relationship it's very rare that you can do that you can do sometimes but you can't act on it yeah and you know you can't yeah. confess those feelings and those emotions to someone so you're kind of bottling up a lot which is why yeah. it always seems to end up in cheating or divorce yeah, or that's whatever true. Uh, I heard the saying you can always go out and get hungry but you got to come home to eat yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's like, true. The yeah. thing I think a lot of, at least Big Me, what you're talking about, is mm-hmm. the, like, uh, the sort of look down view of sharing emotional intimacy outside of your relationship, yeah. especially when you're having problems inside your relationship, yeah. right? Because it makes you look weak yeah. mm-hmm. to the outside or that your relationship isn't going well. But all relationships have problems. Of everybody course. has. Yeah, there are ups and downs. Everybody has struggles, yeah. you know? Um, and so I feel like in at least a lot of monogamous relationships, the the emotional intimacy is what prevents people from being able to go outside and mm. say, hey... I need some help. My partner's like too busy or is having their own problems and can't help me. Mm. Can we talk? And mm-hmm. that sort of comes back around to the infidelity, right? Mm. Of like, hey, you're, you know, stepping out on me emotionally. You're not talking to me about your problems. You're talking about yeah. talking about it with this person and why aren't you coming to me? You know, and it creates mm-hmm. it creates those feelings yeah. of tension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Frustration, tension, yeah. and brewing up a storm. So yeah, what if you decided to have children at some point what uh, how, yeah. how does that work yeah uh, because that that's that sort of changes the dynamic it does. Sure. or does it i don't know well um we've already talked about this this is something we talked about mm. well before we got married right because yeah. we both knew that we wanted to have kids yeah. um and at least for us um we envision what would be a nuclear family right mm. so okay. i envision we envision a family in which, you know, there are many partners, many children, and, you know, it's sort of just a village, right? So, you know, Dylan and I may have kids, but I also envision myself Mm. having kids with other people and, you know, bringing their kids into our marriage. Mm. Like, everybody's mom and dad. Interesting. You know, I felt really, um, I felt really alone and unsupported growing up. My parents had a monogamous marriage, and didn't have many friends my family didn't live close by Mm. and 
you know, I just didn't feel like I really had a support network of people that could help me yeah. when either my parents were having problems or I was having problems with them. And so I just think that, you know, this is like, this is the model that, this is how humanity evolved, mm-hmm. right? The saying, it takes a village to raise a child say, yeah. Yeah. comes yeah. from this, right? Yeah. It, does it does take yeah. a whole village. Yeah. You know, humans forever have lived in the tribe, which is defined as like about nine people. Yeah. And so when there's, mm-hmm. you know, not that many people and not that many kids, everybody is family. Yeah. And I think that, again, that creates a really strong bonded network mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. people that you can love and trust and support. And I think the more that you build this network of loving and trusting and supporting, like the more successful we can be as humans, of as, course. you know, dealing with our emotions, creating, you know, healthy dynamics between people, mm, yeah. you know, avoiding not necessarily avoiding conflict entirely, but being able to circumvent conflict in a way that is beneficial for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Wow. There's also sort of certain aspects of child rearing that I imagine like one of the one partner might be slightly better at than others. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, for sure. And so prefers yeah. wiping bottles. And these also, you know, in this day and age, there's the financial resources. It yeah. takes a lot yeah. of money to yeah. have a house and raise a child. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. But, you know, yeah. if you got... I feel so bad for my parents with all the money I cost them <laughs> over the years. Yeah, but if you've got, you know, five or six adults supporting, yeah. you know, a couple of kids, you know, the buy in bulk, yeah. you know, start mm-hmm. your own garden. Well, yeah, you but, know? you know, not to... I'm not counter-arguing, but my dad has five brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and they all live in Denmark, and, of course, Denmark's an extremely small country, so yeah. they only live one town over. So my grandma would, of course always take care of the grandkids or the uncles would be there and there would be this huge support system because it was such a big family right. mm-hmm. and you know they're all monogamous and doing their own thing and stuff but they were always there and able to help out it was like hey can you watch my kids today or yeah. can you do this with them he really wants to learn this or mm. see you work on a car because one of them is a mechanic or something like that you know so there's also that aspect in monogamy where a bigger family can always come yeah. in and of course yeah. pitch in so that that's yeah. I mean I'm, I'm from a you know, different kind of background I come from a very small family yeah and I had monogamous parents, yeah. but I was, you know, my parents were both very busy, so I was like essentially sort of semi raised by an au pair, yeah. which was great because I, I had too. some amazing au pairs, but at the same time, you know, it would have been great to have been raised by my parents' friends as well. And my parents, you know, sorry, mum and dad, didn't have that many friends in London. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Know, yeah. And I found that very frustrating, and it's something that, you know, I really want for my future is to have a, you know, a kind of extended family that yeah. way, where it's like, you know, friends and partners and everything. Mm-hmm. Cause because my family is so tiny, I've got barely any cousins and one sibling. You know, for me, my friends have been an extension of my family. And yeah, mm-hmm. my loved ones as well. So, yeah, I mean, polyamory is is modeled after a family model, right? Yeah. And instead of being blood relatives, you're just agreeing of to course. be family yeah. and mm-hmm. take on the responsibility. Well, yeah. you know what they say: blood makes you a relative, but loyalty makes you family. It's true. It's true. So that's how that goes. And honesty. Yes, mm-hmm. and honesty all the way. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. Uh, do you view monogamous people in a different light? Is it something you try to change in them? I myself am monogamous and don't really have an intention on being poly personally. But I'm said, uh, I'm wired to the swan and wolf theory, one partner for life, and I don't really see myself changing. So is this something you suggest to people if you know they're monogamous? Do you say, hey, have you tried being poly? Have you done this before? I think, like I said earlier, I think conscious monogamy is totally fine. Um, I mean, you know, you're your own person. You know yourself way better than I'll probably ever know you. Um, So I I trust you to make your own decisions. For sure. Um, And it's not something I generally try to change in people, Mm -hmm. but 
um, when I talk to people who are monogamous who are having sort of common problems that mm-hmm. are maybe not necessarily solved by polyamory but yeah. are um, sort of a hinting to me that maybe the monogamy road wouldn't work for yeah. them or it might work better if they were in maybe not even necessarily a polyamorous relationship but yeah. just a more open relationship mm-hmm. not necessarily even sexually but even emotionally or you know whatever um, I do make that suggestion yeah. I don't try to force it no, on anyone um, but I do always make the suggestion I do always you know if I ever have, I always buy extra copies of The Ethical Slut. And, like, I, like, give them out like candy. I'm like, read this, read this. Um, pick it up a couple. But, you know, it's it's easy to just read a book. And if it's not for you, you just pass it on. Of you know, course, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but it is something I, I do sort of preach. I mean, I think, at least for me, it has been, I think... I think two things have been completely instrumental to the person I am. Yeah. One of them is being polyamorous, and the second one is going to Burning Man. Yeah. So I preach those two things <laughs> like the Lord's word, you know, so... <laughs> I totally hear you. Yeah. Totally. Can All I right. borrow a copy of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I didn't bring it today. I didn't bring us copies today. today. I didn't bring it today. I actually just gave it away. I mean, we need our copy. Yeah. But yeah, I'll pick one up. I'll get you guys a copy. I've got to do something in my pedicamp. Um, okay. Uh, where are the boundaries in a relationship like this? Do you draw the line anywhere where you're like, mm, not cool? Um, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, for every couple or every thruple or every quad or every, different. <laughs> any geometry yeah. of people yeah. is, is different. Yeah. Um, and you know, even person to person, it's different. Mm. Um, so I think I can give you examples of like my relationship, yeah. uh, but I think generally the blanket statement is dishonesty isn't cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's true even in monogamous relationships. Yeah, yeah like, it's just true in life. Yeah, in yeah dishonesty yeah. is the line. Yeah. Going behind someone's back is the line. You know, yeah. lying or you know not being not telling the full truth is always the line. I think pretty much for anyone, regardless of your circumstance. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. But so, for example, like, I'll give you the lines in, in my relationship with Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we have what's called a fluid bonded relationship. So okay. we have sex without condoms. Yeah. Um, so we do not have sex without condoms with other people. Ah, yeah. um, and this is like a, a fairly, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a fairly common yeah, thing, yeah. being fluid bonded with your either primary or one of your partners. Or if you're in like a very committed triad, maybe all three of you are fluid bonded. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's a very okay. common, that's a very common boundary, yeah. um, mostly for like sexual health yeah. reasons. Well, yeah, of course. Um, New Orleans has got a pretty high instance of STIs. Yeah. So it does. It's, yeah, it's definitely um, something worth considering yeah Yeah. also um i mean i think a a hard line sort of along that line is like no having kids with other people (laughs) (laughs) that would be a bit of a deal breaker (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, by the way i'm pregnant hopefully yeah that kind of comes with the fluid yeah i mean you'd you'd hope so but accidents do happen those are super hard lines yeah Yeah. i mean you know we have discussed like, hey, what happens if the condom breaks and you know, there's this like sort of awkward emergency, I'm having a kid, but I don't want to have an abortion situation. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, the the answer for both of us is like, we'll deal with that when mm-hmm. it happens, if it ever happens. We will cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but some of our other boundaries are like, for example, certain sexual acts, right? Yeah. Like, 
um, I really like to be fisted, but that feels like a very intimate, loving thing. So yeah. like, you can't fist anyone else, and I can't be fisted mm, by anyone else. Fair enough. Um, so that's like a certain sexual act that we keep to ourselves. Yeah. Um, another boundary would be, you know, um, like no dating anyone unless they already know mm. that you're married. Yeah. And along those lines, if they know that you're married, they have to be cool with meeting your partner. Yeah. There are some people who have like a very don't ask, don't tell, I don't want to meet your partner, I don't care policy. And like, at least for me, that doesn't work. Like, I like friends, I want to meet your lovers, yeah. I want to, you know, especially in New Orleans, it's a very small town. If you're out on a date and I'm just like out having fun and I happen to stumble across your date, I don't want it to be awkward. No. I don't want to not be mm. able to come over and say, hey, how's your date going? Yeah, you know, exactly. give you both a kiss on the cheek and then wander off, yeah. you know, or if I see you on the street, I don't want it to be like, oh, hey, uh, bye. Bye. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I definitely don't want that. See ya. <laughs> trying to think of any other rules away. that we have. Yeah. Um, I think any other, like, sort of super hard rules that we have are, um, you know, like, no... Uh, if, if our relationship is sort of in a wonky place, mm -hmm. right? Like, we're having some issues or, you know, I mean, we're starting our own business and so things are a little tight right now. Oh, yeah. Um, we're both sort of really pressed for time and energy you know, just yeah. take that into consideration. Yeah. Don't go outside um, if the other person is feeling, you know, sensitive. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're like, hey, I really need to have sex right now and you just, like, don't have the energy, I'm going to, like, go have a one-night stand. Like, make it really clear that this is, like, not about mm, yeah. the seeking of something else. It's about, like, fulfilling your own need. And, like, it'll be great to just, like, you know, sleep you know, in your own bed. Yeah. <laughs> Relax. Relax. Yeah. And Make just, nice you know, movie. don't pressure anyone. What would, what do you think your take would be, uh, if I may theoretically ask, or yeah, sure, sure. it won't ever happen, but let's say Dylan, for some reason, wanted to become monogamous and came to you and said, hey, Stacy, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and I want to change gears and just be one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. What do you think, how, what, what would you do? What would you say? What, how would yeah. you take it? So our marriage was accidentally sort of monogamous for yeah. a while. Um, we spent a year taking a lap around the globe and it's, we did have some, you know, sort of random encounters, but yeah. it's very hard to maintain any sort of relationship when you're yeah. not in the same place for more than a week. Yeah, of course. Um, and that was probably the worst our marriage has ever been. Really? Oh okay. yeah. yeah. I mean, we yeah. were fighting constantly well, like travel stressful I mean, yeah. I mean it's like it's like one of the biggest stresses you can place in a relationship I mean, yeah, yeah it is yeah. and we had just gotten married i mean you know we've mm -hmm. never mentioned it on this podcast but yeah. dylan and i met um april 1st 2016 we left new york city to travel on august 1st 2016 oh. and got married at burning man on september 1st this 2016. Is the longest <laughs> running april fools joke ever it is. oh my We've god ever since. um yeah mm. but so we we sort of went right into it anyway which is yeah. a very stressful thing to mm. do we gave yeah. up our whole life all of our stability yeah. to sort of chase this dream with each other so that was stressful in its own right mm -hmm. but if dylan ever came to me and was like hey i want to be monogamous first of all I'd be like did you hit your head somewhere like yeah. I know mm. that's not really who you are um why are you feeling this way like yeah. what what has changed did yeah. I did I do something yeah. what has changed in you um but for me per, like for me personally yeah. 
I, it would probably end our marriage. Like wow. I, I could not mm. ever be yeah. in a monogamous relationship again. I've been polyamorous for a very long time. I don't ever see that changing because I know myself, I know my needs, mm -hmm. and yeah. that lifestyle just does not meet my needs. Gotcha. I totally hear you. Uh, how old were you when you became poly, actually? When you kind of realized it? When... Yeah, um, I was... What, like 21 or 22? 21, okay. Yeah. Young, ripe age, yeah. Yeah. Good. 21, <laughs> exploring yourself and all the good things about life. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. 21 was a weird year for me, personally, but uh, we won't go into that today. Um, all right. Another podcast. Yeah. Another podcast, another time. Uh, last question. Um, where did polyamorous relationships begin, do you think? Did it start with the Mormons, or has this always been a thing that we haven't seen in our regular life? Like, I feel like religion changed everything, and marriage yeah. was like, uh, hey, I love you this much, so I'm going to get the government involved, so I can lock you down forever. Well, marriage originally is a property agreement, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, marriage is actually, if we go back, you know, way, way back, mm -hmm. a long time ago in a kingdom not so far away, yeah. um, marriage is a tool for trading and securing property, cattle, mm -hmm. and someone to raise your kids yeah, yeah. Uh, so that is you know before there was ever government that was really involved um, that is what marriage is yeah. for and women couldn't work at the time as well really we, yeah women mm -hmm. couldn't work mm -hmm. they couldn't the own property yeah. or land so, so the way to secure land from her family was mm -hmm. to marry her yeah. and get her father's land yeah. right yeah. Um, but I think actually if we go goats. way back even further yeah. um, there are many, many documented rituals um, that specifically actually are around Easter and spring, the time of fertility. Yeah. Um, specifically, actually, in a lot of the Nordic countries is where it's actually most well documented. Really? Yes. We're talking Scandinavia here? Uh, we're talking or? like England, okay. Scotland, okay. Uh, a little more of the Celtic, like okay. tribal, yeah. uh, more tribe mentality. Okay. Um, if you look back, there are actually many rituals, um, and one of them is, I'm not sure if it's Beltane, I feel like I'm remembering that incorrectly, but... Um, on the first new moon yeah. of spring, mm -hmm. they would all put on masks mm -hmm. and go out into the darkened woods and have sex with whoever you found. Because if you think about it, right, and this is actually mm -hmm. something that you see in the Amish communities here yeah. in the United States, if you eventually don't. get inbreeding. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. if you never yeah. mix genes, yeah. all of a sudden you have this very small, you know, community that eventually yeah subjects itself to inbreeding because there's no there's no mixture mm -hmm. of genes yeah. um and you know these people would you know have this ritual and get pregnant and it was these children were just you know absorbed sort of into either the marriages or agreements that existed or into just the tribe yeah. as a whole and these sort of um if you look also in Africa, there's another ritual um, which takes place even today where tribes from many, many distances come mm -hmm. and the males sort of, um, you know, they peacock, right? Yeah. And then the females actually choose this male, right? And he then comes with their tribe and impregnate, impregnates this woman mm -hmm. um, and gives her, you know, as many babies as they can in like a certain period of time. And then this happens again and the tribe reforms, right? Mm. So uh, there, it happens all over the world. So I think it's, I think it's really just uh, a product of nature favors yeah. 
you know, genetic. Yeah. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Diversity. Yeah, genetic diversity. Yeah. Nature favors that. And so, you know, many men talk about the, the urge of, like, wanting to fuck everything, right? Well, yeah. spreading your seed around is the mm. way to make sure that your seed survives. Uh, this is true, right? yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think, you know, yeah, the Mormons have a, a polygamous yeah. tradition, which specifically re- revolves around the marriage yeah. aspect of having multiple wives. Women cannot have multiple husbands true. in the Mormon religion. Yeah. Um, but there's, you it's know, this fair. is... It's, yeah, not it's not fair, fair. but, not you know, fair. whatever. Yeah. If it's, you, it's pretty backwards. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's actually anyway. more, more backwards yeah. than marriage. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, yeah, if you, if you look throughout throughout human history, I mean, I think some version of this has always existed. I mean, if, even as recently as the 60s, the, you know, free love movement. Yeah. Um, you know, there were Swing people. Swinging 60s, baby. Yeah, people were running around doing all the thing. Uh, you know, Ruby. there's a yeah. the recent movement of of the swinger movement, yeah. right? I mean, there's always been some version mm. of we are attracted to multiple people. Let's fuck them. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, I think more recently the polyamorous tradition has has um, surfaced because it's a more it's a more conscious way of recognizing that it's not just sex, but it's also the emotional aspect mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. I love this person and maybe I don't even have sex with them at all. There are people who are asexual or people who, you know, don't really want to have sex outside of their primary relationship, but want the loving, emotional support of other people. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why this is sort of coming into the, into the stratosphere more recently of, you know, social consciousness and why it's coming out because people are like, wait a minute, like, we don't have to be racist or sexist. Why do we have to be monogamous? Yeah. <laughs> I feel it's almost resurfaced, though, because it's something that, you know, I, th- I think back in, you know, caveman days, before women were essentially property and women, mm-hmm. had, you know, had a pretty big contribution to make to communities, you know, that, that kind of poly, you know, polyamorous relationship, you know, worked and probably in, in a slightly different way because there are more labels on it now. But yeah. as you say, it takes a village to raise a child. It does. You know, I, I don't think I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure that marriages weren't the way that they are now. You know, a couple of thousand years ago, you had yeah. really kind yeah. of kind of mixture of things to kind of support children. I guess it depends on the tribe, the part of the world you're in. Yeah, exactly. To me, it feels exactly. in some ways more natural to have it done that way. So is poly? All right. So last question: Do you think it's making like some kind of a comeback right now? Because I mean, it's very prevalent here in New Orleans. Mm. Like when I came here, I was yeah. like, this is when I like really first learned about it and started meeting people. Like I grew up in the suburbs of New Jersey, and that was not yeah, yeah. Me too. London yeah. doesn't <laughs> have much of it either. I have to say, I mean, not in, in my yeah. Jersey, bad. Jersey, but we, that was yeah. not a thing. Like, like no one would be poly in a Jersey suburb, no. you know. Maybe, but that would be under wraps yeah, or a swingers party wraps. or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, it's super prevalent in almost every major city. Yeah. I mean, it's extremely prevalent in San Francisco. That's where you know the the ethical slut was written by okay. mm-hmm. two people who live in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, it's super prevalent in New York, where yeah. you know I came into it. It's prevalent in almost every major city now um i mean even when i was abroad and i was in germany um there are it's it's prevalent everywhere i could totally see it in berlin you know oh yeah they get down there was a lot of a lot of that in berlin um yeah, it definitely was not prevalent in Morocco or Southeast no. Asia. <laughs> but in the a Middle lot East. of the more developed yeah. countries, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I think it's making a comeback. Like I said just now, you know, we're coming to the time of like 
we don't have to be sexist. We don't have to be racist. Why do we have to be monogamous? Mm. Like we're challenging the, we're challenging these structures um, that we know mm. right now because we want to move forward. We want to yeah. move past these boundaries of hatred and ex- exclusivity. And I think we're really moving into a time of higher consciousness where mm-hmm. we say what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? Yeah. Mm. Like if everybody is happy, then humanity will hopefully be happy. Of so course. if I'm mm-hmm. happy loving and fucking many people, then maybe every everybody else will be happy yeah. loving and fucking many people. And whoever is monogamous doesn't have to be polyamorous, but no. you know, as long as we can live and cohabitate in the same spaces and get along and understand each other and not try to fuck each other's partners, then I think mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. fucking I mean, I, 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 I think you're totally right. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. know a lot of people back in London who, um, you know, are in relationships that would probably benefit from a bit of polyamorous. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I'm sure inje- a lot of relationships could be polyamorous. via having that specific conversation mm-hmm. and sitting yeah. down and being open. I know, and I know a lot of people who want to have that yeah. conversation. But it is great. something also, though, that does tend to destroy. I'm sure it could. Like the well, opening, yeah. the opening up process, like. Yeah. Just, you know, if you're going, if you're, you know, meet a person and you go into it and you're like, we're going to like try to do this thing and we're going to be really understanding of Mm. like growing into this open relationship together and be really forgiving of our mistakes, you know, it, that's one thing. But Mm. if you already have this pre-established intimacy and love language Mm. and bond and you understand each other, trying to open up can be so super traumatic oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. especially be because you're sure. you're less likely I think at least you're less likely to be really forgiving of the mistakes that come about yeah because you can feel like oh you're doing this to hurt me like instead of like oh hey we're just making mistakes of course um, because they're like I said there's already this pre-established intimacy and bond that you're trying to love and protect of course and um, especially when you're in the monogamous mindset of like it's us against the world, right? Yeah, and then yeah. you let the world in and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, the world is inside my relationship and I don't like it. Mm. Um, it can be really hard and it can often destroy the, yeah. the, the loving closeness that you have. Yeah, I um, it doesn't have to, but you know, I think one of the reasons it, dis- it often destroys it is because actually a lot of people do take the wrong approach of like, oh, we're going to, like, be open, and now we're going to go do all the things we <laughs> haven't done yeah, exactly. in this two-year relationship. Yeah. And then, you know, feelings up. get hurt, boundaries get pushed. Yeah. It yeah. really sucks. Yeah. It it can really be damaging. Um, but that's why I said, you know, go talk to people. If you're opening up, get the resources, get the help. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need and be really clear with your partner. Beautifully said, Stacey. Very good. Absolutely. Amazing. Beautiful. All right, All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for about today. Yeah, you've been, been fantastic. Thank you so as much. Smooth as could be, as smooth as butter. Oh, you, um, you, you are a wonderful guest. Yes, oh, thank yeah. you so much for coming. Thank uh, you. Hopefully, we can have you on for another show. Maybe we can talk about the Elephant Collective in the yeah. near future yep. and talk some Absolutely. art or something like that. Maybe Absolutely. we can even have some people in the audience next time. Who the hell knows? Uh, we'll see. No, um, never. But that about wraps it up for Two Idiots in New Orleans. Uh, yep. Thank you again to Cafe Istanbul, located at 2372 St. Claude Avenue in the Healing Center. Be sure to come by, have a few drinks, check mm-hmm. out a few great shows that are coming up, and thank you to Dre for doing the opening Absolutely. number that hasn't been recorded. Hasn't yet. been recorded yet. So we are we are actually preemptively. We, we are preemptively thank, thanking Dre for doing our jingle. But we, we know he will. Yeah. So thank you, Dre. Thanks, Big Dre. shout out. Uh, You're the best. When we know your show is-